It's where America's pastime and the Iowa Hawkeyes meet. It's the conversation you want to be in on. Talking Iowa Hawkeye baseball. It's Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome one and welcome all. You are listening to Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and the voice of Hawkeye Baseball, Zach Mackey. Glad to have you along for another edition. And uh, however you may be listening, whether you're doing so on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and coming soon, KXNO.com. Thanks for making us a part of your day. This is a show where Zach and I just take a look at Iowa baseball from the week prior and the week that will be each and every week. We break down games and talk with big-time guests, and we do a whole lot of fun things regarding Iowa Hawkeye baseball. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes and their matchup against the top team in the Big Ten, Nebraska. To every Hawkeye fan's enjoyment, especially against Nebraska, the Hawkeyes took the series two games to one. We're going to be breaking that down. Also, the Milwaukee contest, the walk-off winner for Iowa. And we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of a preview into what's to come against Ohio State this weekend. Got a big, big, busy show for you, ladies and gentlemen. A lot going on. We have Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports here to talk Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, great baseball mind. He's talking about everything Hawkeyes with us. We're also going to be talking with a big stick in the Iowa lineup, the one and only Isaiah Fillard. He joins the show to talk about his time at the D1 level so far, the changes uh, between JUCO and D1, and, of course, what he's thinking about with with Ohio State coming on up. We also talk with uh, Nebraska and more. And, of course, uh, Zach Mackey will join the show in just a little bit as he will break things down in the format that only Zach Mackey can. It's going to be a busy, busy episode, so let's get right to it. We're going to skip what's the word segment for this week as we dive into our conversation with Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports. Dylan, thank you so very much for joining the show. Love your work. You're a true Hawkeye believer, fan, and great writer. Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Happy to be happy to have you on. And for those of you who don't know, check Dylan on Twitter at dburn247. All his articles, everything he puts out is on Twitter as well. And now, Dylan, first and foremost, you like myself and others. We're there, an exciting, jam-packed, you know, you couldn't find an empty seat in the house game against Nebraska or the series against Nebraska. And the Iowa Hawkeyes, for the fourth straight Big Ten series, they win the series overall, winning game one, three to two, game two, 17 to nine, in an absolute slugfest. Unfortunately, losing in game three, though, three to two. You know, Dylan, when you take a look at this, as, as I mentioned, the fourth straight Big Ten series win for Iowa, and they did so against the Big Ten's current top team. And not just against the Big Ten's current top team, but against a team that Iowa has had a rivalry with pretty much in all sports, dating back to ever since Nebraska really entered the Big Ten. From the 10,000-foot level, as you view this here, Dylan, what does this series win against a team like Nebraska show about where the Hawkeyes are right now and kind of where they sit both in the Big Ten and nationally? Oh, I think it, you know, it shows you that they can compete with just about anybody in this conference. You know, I think since losing uh, three straight to Indiana to open up the Big Ten season, what I know, I think, since, since those three straight losses. So, I mean, that'll, that'll tell you all you need to know right there about, you know, where they're at in terms of, you know, Big Ten play. And it's just really impressive just to watch. I mean, I've been impressed with Rick Heller and just the job that he's done in, I think, what, five or six years here now. You know, the guys just go about their business. They don't really care who they're playing. Um, you know, the message from the staff just seems really concrete and clear, and they go out and they execute at uh, a really high level. So, I mean, you're looking at a team that could, you know, definitely make a run here in, you know, another month um, you know, when, the, when the Big Ten teams, you know, meet up in, uh, over in Omaha. And, you know, Dylan, say what you want about this Nebraska team. You know, honestly, from my perspective, I don't feel that they are a top 50 RPI team. Their schedule hasn't really shown that. 
Uh, they've played a lot of games in the Big Ten, but you know what? So has Iowa. And you know what? You take a look at the schedule for Nebraska. I think that just the early season buzz got them up and uh, I don't think they're deserving. I think uh, most notably they should be in uh, top 120 in terms of their RPI. Now, with that out of the way, you know, looking at this in the in the right light here, you know, Iowa won against another top team, a top 30 team, a top 50 RPI team. It can only help out their cause for sure. And speaking about helping out their causes, you know, another Big Ten series win, another big statement series win for Iowa. How much legitimacy does that give to Iowa's conversation of a Big Ten title this year? I mean, I think you have to take Iowa serious, especially after Rick Keller, you have to take them seriously in that Big Ten tournament. Just based off of, you know, what they've done in the past couple of years, you know, 2016, they, they made it all the way to the finals before losing, and then 2017, uh, they come back and, you know, they win it all. So, um, and in 2018, they, it was an early exit, but... Um, you know, it's a team that they're hot right now, and if you know it, it continues, they can definitely you know carry that over into that tournament because they've proven you know that they can go out and they can win it. Now with you know Cole McDonald kind of settling in, um, pitching like that, that Friday starter that uh, you know everybody thought he would be, um, it gives you know two guys in him and, and Judkins that can really go out and, and shut anybody down on uh, you know any given day. Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports covering the Hawkeyes joins Hawkeye Baseball Talk. And he's joining us as we talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes and their recent weekend series against Nebraska, winning that series two games to one. And Dylan, you know what? That marks the third big series, the, the third top 25 or excuse me, top 30 series that Iowa has won. And that included the series sweep over Illinois. No doubt, as you mentioned here, Dylan, Iowa getting a lot more traction, especially within the Big Ten. But as we expand our scope to the national scene, how much traction does Iowa have in a possible NCAA tournament berth and possibly a top 25 ranking? I still think, you know, you do some look, and I still think they're on the outside looking in. Um, And I don't know, you know, how many, you know, obviously they've done everything they can do, you know, winning winning that series against Oklahoma State winning the series, you know, sweeping Illinois, winning the series against Nebraska here. So I still think they're on the outside looking in. They may take a run in the Big Ten tournament. They may ne- not necessarily have to win it, but it's going to take it's going to take a little bit uh, from them here down the stretch. Uh, I don't think they can lose another Big Ten series. We'll have to see what everybody else does. But I think I, the last I looked, uh, I, did, I did some poking around on D1 baseball, and they still have them out right now. So. You know, Dylan, there, there are a lot of things, as you very well are aware of, that went well for the Iowa Hawkeyes. A lot of great things in pretty much all three aspects of the Hawkeyes game plan. On the pitching side of things, the Hawkeyes, whether it be the starters through the bullpen, really did well. It was another 20-plus strikeout series for the Hawkeyes, right around averaging anywhere between 6 and 10 strikeouts per game. And the fact of the matter is that Nebraska came into Iowa, Dwayne Banks Field, having been a very good team in terms of putting the runners on bases, sending them home. They've been very good about RBIs driving in those runners. However, the Iowa pitching staff held them to just 7 of 36 with runners in scoring position at a clip of 194. Those numbers are abysmal in any language, and all the credit really goes to the Iowa pitching staff. But on the other side of things, it was one of the highest hit totals of any series, if not the highest hit total that Iowa has produced this season. And then again, you could go to the fielding side of things. Great fielding by the Hawkeyes, a lot of gem plays. Certainly a lot to choose from here, Dylan, but if you had to break it down, what were the strongest elements for the Hawkeyes this past weekend that allowed them to take the series win? Oh, you know, I think the pitching was just uh, fantastic. You know, uh, McDonald gives them a great start. Uh, you know, Nebraska didn't necessarily square him up very much. I thought he, he pitched well. He hit his spots. Um, I think the only two runs they got were, you know, off a couple of uh, little singles, CNI singles that, that found a hole, tipped off some gloves of, of Hawkeye infielders. Um, so McDonald's came down and pitched really well on Saturday. Um, obviously, he didn't need to pitch really well because the offense just decided, you know, to take things into their own hands. But, you know, they got five strong innings out of him, and then the bullpen was solid, too, on a day where uh, the ball was just, it seemed like it was flying off the bat. I don't know how many home runs there, that were hit, but uh, I think, what, 26 runs scored on that day. 
And then even though they lost on Sunday, you know, Judkins with another just really, really huge thing. Um, so basically, you know, the pitching was, was huge. And, uh, you know, Friday going up against a guy like uh, Matt Waldron for, that Nebraska has, um, that was going to be tough. Um, McDonald matched him, and, you know, the offense found a way to, to get it done there in the ninth. Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports joining Hawkeye Baseball Talk as we discuss the series-clinching victory over Nebraska this past weekend as Iowa took down the 30th-ranked Huskers in Game 1, 3-2, and in Game 2, 17-9 in an absolute slugfest. Now, Dylan, one of the things that has kind of highlighted or hallmarked Iowa baseball up until this point and looks to be continuing is Iowa's ability to really prove themselves and put up production in the later innings. Iowa has been top five, if not top three, in the Big Ten in terms of run production in the final three innings per contest. And you look at Iowa's overall totals, over 30% of all Iowa's runs have come in those final three innings, and that's not including extra inning baseball. I myself and many others look at it as Iowa's ability to really come through late, whether they have to because they're coming from behind or just padding on a lead. Iowa has found the ability to earn runs late in games. But some people look at it here, Dylan, from the devil's advocate perspective in that they ask, where in the world is Iowa's production early on? You know, we've seen lately a lot of good early production, but for the most part, it doesn't match up what Iowa's been able to do in the last third of games. When you hear something like that, and we, when you hear comments like that, does that fill you more with concern, or does it fill you more with positivity regarding Iowa's late success? Well, I mean, you have to, I think you have to look at it both ways, because obviously you, you know that, you know, hey, if they get on us early, we might be in trouble because they're really good late, too. And then, you know, your, your bullpen has to be sharp, too, because it seems like every year that Rick Keller's been here, Iowa's been just so good in those late innings, uh, like you mentioned there, Andrew. And I don't know what, I don't know what it is, like you said, but uh, timely hitting, you know, they get they always seem to get great at-bats late. Um, their guys don't panic. Um, you know, they take, they take good pitches. They swing at good pitches. So I don't know what it is, but... Um, Yeah, they can keep it rolling. They're obviously going to be in good shape. Once again, everybody, Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports joining Hawkeye Baseball Talk as we continue our conversation and continuing more specifically on Iowa pitching. Now, Dylan, this has been a team that has gone up against the likes of really powerhouse hitting teams like Oklahoma State, Illinois, Indiana, and of course, lately, Nebraska. You can even throw Evansville, a top 50 RPI team in there. You know, early on, a little bit of a struggle, but man, it seems that at least one or two pitchers have been really consistent at some point in time throughout this season. You've always at least had one or two that have been on par. But overall, this is a Big Ten conference that has a lot of good hitters in it. And of course, as, as a pitching staff, you really have to make sure you're on the, on the ball, on the game, so to speak. Iowa is right in the middle of the Big Ten Conference when you take a look at the numbers. A 4.6 team ERA, 330 strikeouts. Right smack dab in the middle of the Big Ten, but as you and I have talked about, numbers can be deceiving. So with that, where would you rank the Iowa Hawkeye pitching staff relative to the rest of the Big Ten? You know, I think it's middle of the path. Um, obviously, there's some outliers. Um, you know, McDonald's um, out of the gate, um, but he's really been fantastic in, in Big Ten play. I think him and, him and Grant Swepkins are both so about 6 ERA guys. And then, you know, you got guys at the back end like Grant Leonard, who's just been um, outstanding in the closer role. They have a couple guys. Um, Chris Hoffman's been solid as of late. But, you know, then they have some other guys that have struggled. Uh, Kyle Shep has struggled. Uh, Drew Irvine has struggled a little bit here in the Big Ten. So that's kind of weighing that team ERA down. Um, Bauman is a little inflated, too, but he's been better as of late. So, I mean, I, I would say it's right in the middle of the pack. They're obviously going to need, you know, some guys, I think, in that bullpen to step up. Maybe be, you know, that fourth or fifth option, especially as we get more towards the Big Ten tournament. But right now they've got a, they've got a great base. And, you know, after re- having to replace all those guys off last year's team, they were so solid at the back end. Um, you knew it was going to be tough, but if they can get some guys to step up, you know, they'll, be, they'll be in great shape. Hawkeye Baseball Talk, Andrew Brown, Zach Mackey, and now our special guest here for the show, Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports. Dylan, let's go ahead and end you off with this question here. 
a lot of great performances, certainly a lot of highlight light performances, but was, was there anybody out there that you kind of felt flew under the radar throughout this past week for Iowa? You know, I was thinking that Tanner we just flew, flew a little bit under the radar. Um, you know, he, he was 4 for 11. He, he started all three games at shortstop. A couple walks thrown in there. He didn't have any errors. That's obviously very important. You want to have, you, know, you want your shortstop to be, you know, that go-to guy with the glove. Um, and he's just been really solid all through, you know, Big Ten play. Um, he's batting 271. Uh, like I said, he's started 15 uh, Big Ten games at shortstop. Slugging 458, on base percentage of almost 400. So you know, he's striking out a little bit, but he leads the team in steals too. So um, I think he's just been a really solid option. Um, you know, they obviously you mentioned it. You know, Fullard was great over the weekend, and uh, Ben Norman was fantastic too, and then obviously Austin Martin. Um, but but Henry Weechich just was uh, was fantastic. I thought. I 100% agree with you. I would also throw in Nick Fairley as well. He had a pretty good performance over the weekend. It has been a real resurgent player as of late. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to conclude our time with Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports. Just like all good things, this conversation too must come to an end. Dylan, it's been great to talk with you, and we look forward to many more conversations here as we head into the future. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. There he goes, everybody. Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. Check him out in all his articles on Twitter at dburn247. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will now continue on with Hawkeye Baseball Talk uh, across the many different platforms from Google Podcasts to Apple iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks for tuning on in. And a big thank you once again to Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports. We march along, ladies and gentlemen, with the guy who makes this a full show, the guy who brings you all the action each and every week, brings you all the highlights for Hawkeye Baseball. He is the one, he is the only, the voice of Hawkeye Baseball, Zach Mackey. Zach, I gotta say, you know, the weather's finally tuning on up here, and we are getting very exciting baseball out of the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, not nothing against what Iowa's done in the pre- previous third of the season, but ever since it's warmed up here just a little bit, it seems like everything's been flying. The bats have been gearing up just a little bit better, and we're seeing a lot of exciting Hawkeye baseball. Yeah, I know it has. It's um, it's starting to get to uh, that uh, time of the year too. You know that. May time where you really need to make a run. Iowa is in a position now where um, they're going to have to win a lot of games here and, and really turn uh, a couple of heads if they won an at-large bid. So they're going to have to get doing that. But um, yeah, it is. It's a fun time and it's a time where you know just baseball's rolling. So a lot of the eyes are on that sport right now, and uh, that makes it fun for everyone involved. Before we dive into the meat of it all here, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk a little bit of roster notes. Over the weekend, there was a little bit of devastating blow for the Iowa Hawkeyes in particular as some uh, not-so-great news about Jack Dreyer came down. And so, Zach, uh, for all the listeners, kind of break down what the situation is like for Jack Dreyer and do we at all see him the rest of the season? Yeah, it doesn't look good. Jack's going to be done for the year uh, with that shoulder injury that's continued to hurt him. He'll be out uh, for the rest of this season. He'll try to uh, rehab, get himself back, and he's going to be a major asset next year probably. Maybe it all depends, obviously, how things shake out. He's going to be another guy in the weekend rotation, uh, depending on what day it will be. But, yeah, unfortunate, a huge uh, a, a huge loss for Iowa and their pitching staff, Uh you know, Jack had a couple of real nice outings in the beginning. He'd be a huge asset to have in the weekend rotation. But uh, Cam Bowman's done a nice job of stepping up, and we're going to have to use him for the rest of the year now. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey here as we continue to talk a little bit on roster notes. Uh, devastating blow indeed, as Iowa will not be with the likes of Jack Dreyer throughout the rest of the season. But on a lighter note, we've seen sightings of Tanner Padgett back in the lineup. The individual who led the Big Ten through the first 14 games of the season, now back at it again once more. And Zach, you got a real good look at him. What was your take on Tanner Padgett's performance? I know he came in just as kind of a light DH role, but what was your take on him getting back into the Iowa lineup? 
you know, I thought he did a good job. I was talking, I talked to him on Saturday for our pregame, you know, and he said, basically, uh, I'm starting the, the season all over again. You know, this is basically the beginning of the year for him, having been out for about a month and a half now with a severe groin injury. Um, so he, he's had a little bit of a slow start here coming back. He's still searching for his first hit and four at-bats. Uh, he's going to try to keep that, um, you know, moving around here now uh, in as he gets in this lineup on a more consistent basis. He's been hitting as the DH, uh, that average of his that was at 380 now has slipped down to about 340. So like to see him get back, back hitting. But again, just getting back into this lineup and uh, getting back adjusted, he basically uh, you know, had to go a month and a half without seeing live pitching. So it's going to be an adjustment as he continues uh, back in now. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey giving you what you need and want to know regarding Hawkeye baseball. Thanks for joining in, ladies and gentlemen. And right now we're going to take a little bit of a broader spectrum to a topic that happened over the weekend. And that was a decision, well, or lack thereof, and that regarded whether or not college baseball and softball were going to earn third assistance. Unfortunately, the threshold needed to make it an overall resounding yes was not met. The threshold of 35 overall total votes was not met, and college baseball, therefore, will not be earning a third assistant. You know, Zach, I think this is an issue among all others that really, I think, cuts a little little bit deeper than most, especially when you take a look at it from Iowa's perspective. Iowa is one of the few states in which high school baseball is played in the summer. So right after Coach Heller gets done with his season, he goes straight into recruiting. And although he is really a gung-ho, get work done 24-7, 365, you know, that that still puts a strain on himself and the coaching staff. And you know what? He's always been a big proponent of a third assistant ever since this topic really uh, gained traction recently. And another thing here, Zach, I was talking with Aaron Fitt, co-founder of D1Baseball.com this past week, and we were both actually really dumbfounded at the fact that it didn't turn out just to be a yes, but that it didn't turn out to be a resounding yes. You know, the, the fact that it was an overall no just stunned us, and as I'm sure, the rest of college baseball. When you initially found out about the the overall findings, again, we don't know the official tallies, but we do know the official answer that's a no. When you first found out about this decision, what was going through your mind? What was your initial reaction to the fact that baseball will have to be without a third assistant, at least for the time being? Well, it's unfortunate, especially when, uh, you know, I saw that uh, and we heard all about how uh, the Big Ten uh, voted no on it. And that was a lot of the reason why uh, this did not get passed and why it wasn't able to become a reality. I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, were for it, but there's also uh, it comes down to the bottom dollar and the way it sits. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a tough situation, something like uh you know, we just said that, that I know Coach Heller was a big fan of and, and really wanted to be able to get um, in motion and be able to get going. But um, it's uh, it's unfortunate just because the fact of growing the sport. And you got 35 guys, you have two assistants and a head coach, and that's about it. Uh, you know, on the paid side of things to be able to keep coaching, you got your volunteer assistant. But, um, you know, it's it's a situation where we we need to have more coaches for the amount of guys. Not only that, we need to have opportunities for coaches to be able to grow and, and move on here at the Power Five. And uh, the fair part of it, I thought, was that you didn't have to do it. Now, granted, um, you know, talking, I talked to some of the administrators, um, you know, here at Iowa, and the thing was is you can basically throw that out because if you want to have a shot in this league, if you don't do it, you're going to get negatively recruited against and it's going to put you in a bad spot so basically when that comes in part especially if you're a power five you're going to have to you have to pay a third assistant uh so you, you know you can basically take that wording out but yet uh i was surprised to see how many of the smaller conferences that uh, don't have that large budget but yet still voted yes uh, that really surprised me the way that came about and uh, how many people were behind this trying to get a pass but yeah it's unfortunate that uh, it didn't work out Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey, giving you what you want and, of course, need to know regarding Hawkeye Baseball. Now, Zach, as we continue on the topic of the third assistant, one thing that was thrown around my direction quite a lot was uh, a possible deterrent for all of this. 
Of course, we mentioned that softball was also thrown in the mix. They don't necessarily have the ratio that that baseball has, and uh, they don't necessarily need the third assistant. And a lot of people were thinking that since you added the softball into the equation, that that was a deterrent for things not turning out the way we wanted. Do you feel like that argument has any legs to stand on, or can we just basically brush that aside? Well, that was the other thing I heard is that, you know, you can basically say that softball doesn't need it. And their coaches have said, you know, they don't need it. They don't think that that's something that they need right now where they sit just because of the amount of players they have uh, and their game's so different. Uh, But yet uh, you weren't going to get a pass without it because of the gender equality. Uh, You just couldn't do that. Add another assistant coach and I'd add an assistant coach then to a woman's sport. Uh, So you're kind of deadlocked there. I think you had to include softball just because, um, there were going to be, um, you know, administrators that would not vote in favor of it because of that, and there was going to be uh, some legal trouble with that. But yet, uh, I think the, the softball community, there is some that are real in favor of it, but the majority don't think that it's something that's needed right now. So that's, you know, kind of put everybody in a tough spot um, because, again, if it's an option and you don't do it, then uh, it puts your program in a, in a tough light. And folks, if you want to hear a very big voice put to the matter, Coach Merster for Indiana really put forth a good argument and a a lot of pretty much everything we've been thinking about. But he put a lot of that into words and words that could be very useful in the future. So if you get the chance, check him out on Twitter. Go to Indiana's uh, Twitter page. Of course, he'll be up on there. He'll be talking about this whole endeavor, and it'll, it'll be a good listen. Let's go ahead here, Zach, and let's let's talk a little bit of a happier topic for the Hawkeyes as they came through with a pretty big weekend series win over Nebraska, two games to one. And, of course, they also took their midweek game against Milwaukee. And speaking about the Milwaukee contest, Zach, let's dive right into that as it was a 12-inning overtime thriller that took four hours to complete. It marked Iowa's 13th overall comeback win and 4th walk-off win, second in the last seven home games. And you know what, in a game like that, you needed heroics in order to win the game, and Iowa did just that, and did so from an unlikely hero, and it sounded like this. Here's the pitch, lifted, Justin Jenkins puts a charge into this. To right, and Justin Jenkins in the bottom of the 12th inning, and the Hawkeyes walk it off from Dwayne Banks. I with a winner. That was Zach Mackey himself, part of the Hawkeye All Access Tune In Radio. Now, that play followed what was a very great defensive play for Jenkins as he had a rocket from center field to nab what would have been the go-ahead run at home plate, which sounded an awful lot like this. This ball's lifted out towards shallow center. Jenkins is coming in. He's going to have to come up throwing. Runner's going to be on the move. They'll send him. Here's the throw. The throw is there. The tag is there. They got him. Once again, that was Zach Mackey on the call, part of the Hawkeye Radio Network and Hawkeye All Access TuneIn Radio program. Zach, it's a long way of getting to this question, but nonetheless, you know, it seemed like in this game, with this duration, the longest game that Iowa's had this season, uh, you pretty much had to earn it once you stepped up to the plate in either fashion. Yeah, it was. It, uh, it started really slow. It took us about an hour to get through the first two innings. We had, um, between the two teams, we had six runs scored in the, uh, or we had five runs scored in the first three innings, and then we had three runs scored in the next ten innings uh, as this one went into extra. So it was a weird game the way it started off to the way it ended. It was a long game, and uh, you know sometimes uh, there's no question. It's hard to get the guys all fired up and ready to go for those midweek games. You know, you just coming off a game where you had 6,000 people between the three games. You had the number one and the number four team of the Big Ten. It's Iowa-Nebraska, the rivalry. And then you got to come back and, uh, you know, play a Milwaukee team who's really good when you look at their record and where they sit right now. But yet, uh, it doesn't have that same player. So sometimes it's hard to get everyone uh, pumped up for that. And uh, I think we saw kind of a lackadaisical performance in the very beginning. 
Now, Milwaukee heading into this game was a team that averaged right around seven to nine hits per game and roughly anywhere from three to five runs per game as well, if not more. And as such, they've been ranked pretty high when it comes to the RPI rankings. But, you know, this also could be one of those situations here, Zach, where you mentioned kind of a lose-lose situation. Does this, no matter what, hurt Iowa in the RPI rankings? Or does the fact that Milwaukee currently being in really good standing help Iowa in that matter? I mean, where does the needle move for you? Well, I think that is hard for people to understand who don't follow this sport very hard is that uh, when you look at a, a team like Milwaukee, their RPI is somewhere around 120 in the country. And uh, Ohio State's is at 150. You know, everyone thinks a Power Five is going to be one of the top teams in the country. It's not like football where there's a big gap between the Power Five programs and the Group of Five or, or something like that. Uh, so this is, you know, something where a loss to Milwaukee is not as bad as one loss to Ohio State. you got to remember that. That's hard sometimes for people to understand who don't follow the sport. But um, it helped out Iowa's RPI. I'll tell you, this RPI system is hard to, really hard to figure out. I don't really get it exactly. Um, you know, you win against Nebraska two games, and I think you move up in total maybe three spots. Uh, and Nebraska only moves down four spots for losing a series, uh, you know, to a team that is in the 80 uh, RPI system. And then we won the game against Milwaukee and moved up nine spots. So it's hard to figure it out. Uh, a lot of it, I think, you know, obviously depends on, on who you played, how they're doing, too, if they're winning. But, um, yeah, you know, this is kind of that start of that time of the year where you start to take a little peek at the RPI. And, of course, once again, a big shout-out to Justin Jenkins for the game-preventing stop and, of course, the game-winning hit. A big shout-out to him as the Hawkeyes pick up their 24th win of the season against Milwaukee. But now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and move a little bit back. Let's turn the dial back a bit as we go back to Iowa's Big Ten Series matchup against Nebraska this past weekend. And, oh boy, Iowa made a big statement win, winning two games to one. Their two wins came in games one and two, three to two, and 17 to nine. Again, without a doubt, a huge series win for the Hawkeyes, and a big part of that was due to the one and only Isaiah Fillard. Big number 20 put up a great performance, at least one hit in each of the three games, a pair of two-hit performances, including a mid one in Game 2. To help break down this Nebraska series win and to dive into his career so far for the Hawkeyes, the big man on campus, Mr. Isaiah Fillard himself, joins the show. Isaiah, I got to say, it's so great to be talking with you. Thanks so much for joining the show. Yep, no problem, guys. Isaiah, you knew coming into this series that it was going to be a big matchup. Nebraska entering as Big Ten's top team, and uh, they've been rolling as of late. Yet you and the rest of the Hawkeyes really smacked them in the mouth, especially taking the first two games of the series and doing so in such dramatic fashion the way you did. What was the feeling like once you earned that fourth straight consecutive Big Ten series win and did so against Nebraska of all teams? And from a player standpoint, how do you feel that this impacted the postseason run for you guys? Yeah, that was, I mean, it was super exciting. I mean, we always loved to beat Nebraska, but I mean, coming into that weekend, we knew it was going to be a big weekend for us um, postseason-wise. I mean, we're in a pretty good place right now to try and uh, get an at-large bid, but obviously we have some work to do, and we knew that coming in and with them being a high RPI team and at the top of the Big Ten, we thought that, I mean, if we could at least take two or three from them, possibly sweep that, it would put us in a really good spot for the postseason. Ultimately, Isaiah, as you very well know, you have to have a lot of things go right in order to beat a team like Nebraska. You guys did that and then some. A great series overall. What did that feel like as a player? And ultimately, what went well for the team at the plate in order to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, that was super fun to be a part of. The energy in the dugout was unreal. The fans were great that game. Uh, the first time through the lineup, their pitcher actually, he, I think he got the best of us. I mean, I don't think we went down one, two, three a couple times. But then that second time through the order, we knew there was nothing he could beat us with. Uh, we had a good scouting report, obviously. And then in the fifth inning, we had the two-out rally. I mean, huge rally, put up eight runs. Uh, and, you know, I think from that point on, we kind of just had that level of confidence that no pitcher was going to beat us, nothing was going to stop us. And 
I mean, it was contagious. The hits just kept coming. The runs just kept coming. And, yeah, it was just super fun to be a part of. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. Our special guest now, the one and only Isaiah Fallard. He joins us to talk about the Nebraska series and his season so far, wearing the black and gold for the first time. Now, Isaiah, it was a great series overall again. You know, game one was phenomenal, a 3-2 to two win. The second come-from-behind walk-off win for the Hawkeyes in the past seven home games. You yourself, along with Zeb Adrian and Chris Whalen, had a two-hit game out of four appearances at the plate. The game that I want to get to more specifically highlights game number two. You know, I don't know if even Clayton Kershaw could have done any better against you guys in that game. You guys were just on point. And a big part of that was an eight-run fifth inning, just monstrous inning. You yourself were a big catalyst in that fifth inning. And for those who were not around for that, did not catch that game, or especially did not catch that inning, it was a monstrous two-run blast off of the bat of Fillard that really got that inning going and propelled Iowa to the win. And if you didn't catch it, well, here's how it sounded. Three balls, two strikes. Martin at second, the pitch, and Fillard skies this one to center. A long run again for Acker, looking up, and it is gone! Isaiah Fillard's third home run of the year. A two-run The call coming from Big Ten TV. Now, Isaiah, simply take me through that at bat. Take me through what that was like for you and on what seemed like a pretty tough pitch, how you managed to hit such a bomb in such a clutch situation. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was great. I mean, in a game like that, to come up big for my team, that was just super exciting. I mean, we had that big inning, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, for that at bat, I mean, so Martin starts off. I mean, actually, Chris starts off that inning with two outs, got on, and Mitch, I think, got hit, and Martin had that big double. And then, actually, I came up because I was in fourth, and then I think I got to a 3-2 count. And this whole year, I've been, you know, I've always felt I was pretty good two-strike hitter. I've always been pretty confident in that. Uh, but this year, I've been getting a little bit more uh, anxious, I think, in the box. And swinging at some pitches that I shouldn't be swinging at with 3-2 counts. And that, I bet, really, I was just trying to focus on, you know, just put a good swing on it. Just not trying to do too much, trying to stay within myself. I knew he was going to most likely attack me with a fastball, and I was just uh, wanted to be on time for it. And I was just lucky enough to put a good swing on it. You have certainly come a long way here, Isaiah, but, you know, throughout this entire season, honestly, I could say that with all sincerity, I think a lot of people would love to have the two-strike numbers that you have. You've been very productive throughout this entire season for Iowa, and you talk about those two-strike counts. You talk about the approach. You know, you at times have a really aggressive approach to the plate, and it's worked out very well, yet you also have found ways to be really patient at the plate. And that's kind of been one of Coach Heller's mantra, being patient at the plate, finding ways to get on other than just grip and rip it. But you know what? Sometimes your strength lies in grip and rip, and that's why a lot of the season, but you've been very consistent with it. You've been very smart with it. How do you manage that dynamic of being aggressive yet, you know, continuing on Coach Heller's patience at the plate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of it goes back to our scouting reports, and our coaches do a great job with scouting reports. We always have a good idea of what the pitchers are going to do coming into the game. Also, it kind of just depends on, like, if it's really windy out or something like that and how the defense is playing. I mean, I mean me being in the four hole, obviously they want me to drive in some runs, and I come up in situations with a lot of guys on. So in those kind of situations, I'm trying to drive the ball uh, into the outfield, uh, you know, sack flies or anything like that. Um, guys on, I'm really more trying to just get on base and kind of start a rally for my team. I've always felt like I've been a pretty good opposite field hitter, so confident in that working uh, to the right side of the field. But I also am confident in uh, if I have to pull the ball, I think I do that pretty well too. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. Iowa first baseman Isaiah Fillard joining the show here as we talk about his career and uh, the Hawkeye season so far. You know, Isaiah, one of the great things you mentioned that this coaching staff does really puts you in the right mindset. They do great with their pregame notes, with their scouting reports and so forth. 
Now, when you take a look into the future, that means a scouting report against Ohio State, and more specifically, Game 1, the Friday contest, as you go up against Garrett Burren, an individual who put up a career high in strikeouts in his last outing, going 11 strikeouts deep. What have you been able to glean so far from your scouting reports and what you've seen? How do you, how do you guys intend on attacking this Ohio State pitching staff? Yeah, we uh, went over their uh, uh, Friday night guy in practice and a couple of relievers, and we know that they're a very talented team. I don't think their record really reflects how talented they are. Uh, so we know that we're going to have to be on our best when we play them. And being on the road, we haven't been the best on the road. We're getting better, so that's another area of improvement for us. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough weekend, but uh, we're pretty confident going into it and uh, just really looking forward to it to, you know, giving ourselves another chance to make a push towards the end. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey, joined by Isaiah Fallard, uh, the first baseman for the Hawkeyes. And now Isaiah, expanding upon that just a little bit here. Again, this is a guy coming off of a, what, a 10, 11 strikeout performance. What's the approach like with him that might be a little different as compared to the rest of the week? Yeah, I mean, we know he's going to pound the strike zone. We know uh, he likes to go to his off-speed pitches and stuff like that. So I think we're really just going to try and stick to our approach and just not try and do too much. Try to get base runners on and try and just, you know, take the attention, his attention away from the hitter as much as possible. We want to have as many uh, base runners on as possible, maybe play some short game stuff. And, you know, I think if we can do that, we have a really good chance of uh, getting them out early and getting into their pen. Well, if the past is any indication, the scouting report, all the work you've put in, and just the sheer greatness that is Iowa Hawkeye baseball, I think you guys will fare out pretty well here this weekend. Uh, Isaiah, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to join the show. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk with you and and just break things down from your perspective. Thanks again for stopping by. Yep, no problem. Thank you. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. A big thank you to Isaiah Fillard, as we just heard from, as he joined the show. Happy to be having him on and uh, look forward to many more conversations in the future. Right now, though, Zach, I bring you back into the fold here, and as I continue to bring up this Nebraska series for good reason, I think one of the conversations that uh, should be talked about is whether or not that this series win, or I guess how much does this series win put Iowa ahead in the Big Ten? You know, this is the third top 30 team that Iowa has taken down, and really anytime they've been in front of them, Iowa has taken advantage of series wins. This is the fourth straight Big Ten series win. So with the conversations that have been kind of floating around there, does the topic of Iowa having a legitimate shot at the Big Ten title bear legs for you? Yeah, you know, I think it's a team that wins big games. Uh, comes through in big moments. Uh, taking a look back to the Oklahoma State series, now the Nebraska series, the Illinois series. Uh, you know, those are three series that Iowa won. Uh, they swept one of them and barely well could have swept uh, Nebraska in that final game in a 3-2 thriller. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is a team that comes through in big moments. But yet, uh, I think it was a team that we talked at the beginning had so many new faces, so many different people. So as that continues to gel and, and those guys get comfortable with playing each other, it's evolved into Iowa being more confident throughout, too. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to check out the show on Twitter at Hawkeye underscore talk. Now, again, uh, Zach, you had talked about time and time again the RPI, and I'm in total agreement with you. I think that uh, there's a lot of question marks regarding how the RPI works sometimes. You know, I would have thought, that, like you, that a win over Nebraska would jump Iowa more than just simply four spots. And then I, I did not think that a nine-spot jump would happen due to winning against Milwaukee. But, again, what do we know? <laughs> uh, but, nonetheless, Iowa has still got beaten top 50 RPI teams, beaten top 100 RPI teams. But, with that being said, there's still a lot of work yet to be done. In terms of what needs to happen yet, what do the Hawkeyes need to do? What do they need to accomplish yet in order to have a legitimate shot at making the NCAA tournament this year? 
Well, uh, you know, they have the uh, the Dots report they called that, uh, or Boyd's World they called that uh, will we'll say what Iowa needs to do to get into the top 45, get into the top 30, top 16, top 8 uh, right now in the RPI. Now, there's no way for Iowa to get into the top 32, but uh, basically to get into the top 45, which will give you a for sure chance and that large bid into the NCAA tournament, Iowa uh, has to basically win uh, their next eight uh, home games, it says, uh, which is um, all eight that Iowa has. And then it says that they'd have to win six of their next seven road games. Uh, so it's a long uphill battle uh, to be able to do that and to, to go on quite a run. Now, that is as if all your opponents are winning at the same pace that they are right now. So that could change a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be an uphill battle. I think uh, as it sits right now, you're going to have to go on a real run here and probably win uh, a couple of games in the uh, Big Ten tournament. You're kind of in that same positioning right now as we were last season. Unfortunately, last year, um, Iowa lost the first two games of the Big Ten tournament. We're out of an NCAA bid. So this year now trying to to really go on a run here at the end and, and make a run in the Big Ten tournament to solidify yourself in an NCAA chance. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. Thanks for tuning in for another episode, ladies and gentlemen. We're covering the Nebraska series this past weekend as Iowa took the series two games to one, their fourth Big Ten series win in a row. The Hawkeyes are now 24-15 overall on the season. Now, Zach, you and I talk every week about what works well, what doesn't work well for the Hawkeyes, and really what were the keys to victory. Uh, same thing I'm going to ask you here. I mean, really, what were the highlights for Iowa that led to this series-clenching win over Nebraska? Well, I, th- I think the big thing was starting pitching. The starting pitching was able to go really deep on Saturday. It was, uh, on the other hand, it was the hitting. I mean, offensively, what a performance uh, to put up that many runs, the uh, a tie for the most runs in the last 15 years that Iowa has done in a Big Ten game. Uh, they just totally smoked the ball, looked really good in that performance. And I thought it was really exciting to see what those bats can do whenever they all come together. Uh, but again, it was just that and, and the solid defensive play. There weren't very many errors except in the Sunday game. And the errors are what cost Iowa the Sunday game. It shows that when you when you make mistakes, uh, you know, bad things can happen. Uh, that's something that uh, we saw in the Sunday game, but uh, it, every game kind of had its own thing. The, the starting pitching on, on Friday and the big bats then coming on Saturday. Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. We continue on with more Nebraska talk, and as we do so, we got to look towards a big highlight for the Hawkeyes this weekend in their two-out hitting. Highlighted by Game 2, and you know, every one of those eight runs in that monstrous fifth inning came with two outs. In fact, 95% of the runs in game two came with two outs, and nearly 80% of all the runs in the entire series scored by Iowa came with two outs. That has been something that has become more of a, I guess, regular occurrence over the past few weeks for the Hawkeyes. But when you take a look at the overall picture here, Zach, is that something you feel could be a sustainable, successful piece for Iowa moving forward? Or is it something that will kind of wean itself out here in a few weeks? Uh, no, you know, I, I think it's something that uh, they can sustain at times if, uh, you know, you get that mindset. I think it's all about that mindset, that two-out approach, uh, what you're going up there, what you're looking to get. And uh, Luckily, they had a really nice two-out approach. They were able to really swing the bat well with two outs. And that uh, fifth inning in game two, like you mentioned, eight runs coming across. It was one of the most unbelievable things you'll see. The first two outs, uh, just routine, a, a strikeout and a ground out. Nobody out there top of the order came up and hit all the way through the lineup one time and then halfway through it again uh, with not an out being committed just base hit after base hit after base hit a couple of walks a hit by pitch so it was uh, it was really cool to watch Hawkeye baseball talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Maggie thanks for joining us ladies and gentlemen and now Zach one thing that's I guess been a hallmark for Iowa so far this season and they've been fairly good at is their approach with two strikes As a batting team, they're right around the top six, top five in the Big Ten in terms of production with two strikes, although this past weekend didn't necessarily view it that way. 
Iowa went just 7 of 55 and counts with two strikes. But the one thing I think that before everyone jumps to conclusions about is the fact that I think Iowa set themselves up early. You know, one of the things that Iowa has come into, whether good or bad, has been the fact that they have needed to be productive in late in games with two strikes. But I think in this series against Nebraska, they came out early. They struck early. They found a way to be successful, not only early in the count, but early in games. Zach, what were your overall thoughts in terms of Iowa's approach to the plate with two strikeouts this weekend? Yeah, you know, I think they've got a really nice approach with the two strikes. I think you can look at it a couple of ways. You know, yeah, you get two strikes. You got to be careful. You got to protect up there, but you also got to remember that if you've if you've seen two strikes, you've seen two pitches. You've been able to see two pitches that come over the plate. So, uh, you know, you've got an advantage there of being able to see how it spins, how it comes across, and and that can be played to an advantage too. Um, so it's just all about that mindset. Uh, we talk about baseball so much. It's a mental game. How you come to the plate what you are trying to get out of being at the plate so i think that uh, you know as long as um as long as the guys come up there knowing that uh, yeah i've got two strikes but i've still got the ability to be able to barrel up a ball and uh, coach Heller's teams throughout the last couple of years now have been really good at that at, and not minding how many strikes are on the board but still knowing that uh, see your pitch but yet you are going to have to protect file a couple of pitches off but that doesn't mean that you can't still drive a ball Hawkeye Baseball Talk with Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. We will now focus our attention on the series to come, as today the Hawkeyes will take on the one and only Ohio State Buckeyes as they travel to Columbus, Ohio. It'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday matchup, which you can catch on the Hawkeye Radio Network as well as Hawkeye All Access TuneIn Radio app and many fine affiliates throughout the state of Iowa. Zach, you and I talked briefly about Ohio State and their RPI, ultimately not great at all with the top 150 RPI, but nonetheless, this is a team that can beat you, and uh, Maryland caught the brunt of it this past weekend in the doubleheader of Game 2 and Game 3, although there was some shakiness in Game 1, losing 14-7, to but ultimately... This is a team that has a lot going for them, the conference's top hitter. And as I said, Zach, a a team that Iowa should definitely not sleep on. Well, no kidding. Uh, Michigan came in here as one of the top teams. Michigan's the number two team at the conference right now. And yet uh, they lost two games to Ohio State a couple of weeks ago. So this is an Ohio State team that's sneaky. They can put up some runs. They put up 10 runs in both uh, the two games that they won against Michigan. Uh, so you got to be careful with that. And, uh, no, they, they're a team that plays well at home. I think they'll have great crowd support. Looks like it's going to be a good weekend in terms of weather. So, uh, yeah, this is a this is no sleeper whatsoever, as there never are. In the Big Ten, uh, you can get you know get yourself behind so quickly. So uh, this weekend they're looking to, to be huge. They, they're right on the couch. They're they're tied for eighth in the conference, uh, so the top eight teams make the Big Ten tournament. So they're doing all they can to just get into tournament contention, and this could be a couple of big wins for them here at home. Hawkeye Baseball Talk, Andrew Brown, Zach Mackey, wrapping up things here on a wonderful week that is Iowa Hawkeye Baseball. Now as we continue with the Ohio State topic here, if ever there was an individual for Iowa to look out for, Dominic Canzone is that guy to watch. He leads the Big Ten in nearly every offensive category. He has 63 hits, 31 RBIs, both lead the Big Ten by a big margin. And aside from Indiana's Matt Lloyd, he has 11 home runs, which would be first if not for Lloyd. But ultimately, this guy runs the gambit for the Buckeyes and someone that should be a focal point for the Hawkeyes going forward. I mean, is it safe to say that Canzone will be the guy that Iowa is focusing in on most this weekend? Oh, no kidding. This is this is the primary guy in the Big Ten. I think he's going to be the Big Ten player of the year. Uh, there's no question right now. Like you said, a 37-game on base streak. So he's just able to get himself on. And then all a part of that, he's also been able to uh, – 
piece together a 14-game hit streak right now. He's uh, started off really well in the beginning of the season, but he's just really flourished here with the Big Ten. Uh, Dominic Kenzone's a name that uh, for people who have been following Big Ten baseball, they're familiar with, but uh, what a season he's had this year. I mean, he's got it all pieced together. He's got Ohio State. Uh, really, the, the games that they've rolled with, it's been him who uh, has really pushed in runs, uh, moved things across. You talked about him as a defender, and, and I think he's a plus-plus defender. He gets so much credit offensively, and because uh, rightfully so, hitting 375 right now. But uh, just what a what an overall player, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a guy who you can't really stop. You've got to account for, though, in the middle of that lineup. you got to account every time where he's at with him getting back up. But yet uh, you also have to know how to pitch to him. And uh, the Hawkeyes will have their spreadsheets out. They'll try to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, he is not an easy out. One thing I need to correct myself on here, Zach, is the fact that uh, Canzone has 31 RBIs on the season, and the Big Ten leader does, in fact, have 36, but the Big Ten leader would be Buckeye teammate Jerry Brady. Brady is having a great sophomore campaign, 323 batting average, again, a conference best 36 RBIs individually. He would arguably be my sleeper pick just based on that fact because a lot of attention would go to Canzone. Is it safe for me to say that here, Zach? Is, is it safe for me to dub Brady the sleeper pick that Iowa should watch out for this weekend? Yeah, you know, Canzone gets a lot of the credit. I, I think he's a really solid hitter in there. Uh, like you said, you know, hitting 300 anytime you can do that on a season. Uh, with the schedule that they play Ohio State and just who they play in the Big Ten and across the country. Uh, I, I think he's a really great hitter. I think there's a team overall that hits the ball well and is able to uh, to put up big runs. They've done that throughout the year. They didn't have a midweek game this week, so they're going to be fired up and ready. And they'll have a full pitching staff, and uh, their hitters will have a full week of practice. They'll be eager to get into a game-like situation. Wrapping up our time here with Hawkeye Baseball Talk, Andrew Brown and Zach Mackey. Thanks for joining along with us, ladies and gentlemen. And as we wrap things up, I hope you enjoy this entire show, and I hope you share it, like it, and uh, listen to it with your friends because it's uh, we love it. We love talking about baseball, and we hope you do too. Zach, to round things out here, let's look on the pitching side of things for Ohio State. Oddly enough, although this is a pitching staff towards the bottom of the Big Ten, they are a pitching staff as a whole that have shown great, I mean, great strides. The Michigan series was a prime example of that great pitching there. And one guy I will give to note actually comes from the bullpen. A guy named Andrew Mango put up four strong innings of work in game one, 11 strikeouts. That's a career high. In just four innings, 11 strikeouts, just one earned run. He is a guy that I feel if Ohio State gets in trouble with their starter, especially Friday night, he'll be the guy that comes in right out of the relief. So I think a scouting report on him should be key, and I think that's already what they're, what Iowa is doing. But then, you know what, it doesn't necessarily get easier from there on out. When you take a look at Sunday starter Griffin Smith, all he has done the last few outings is dominate. Nine innings pitched. That's right, a full game's worth pitched in the last outing for him. He allowed just one earned run on four hits and dished out 10 strikeouts. So this is a pitching staff I was really going to have to be uh, homing in on. And, uh, you know, this is a pitching staff that seems to work the outside of the plate well and seems to throw off patient teams like Iowa is. Well, yeah, you know, Griffin Smith, you're talking about that Sunday starter coming into that game, had gone six innings as a career high. So uh, to be able to go all nine, uh, great testament to him. Uh, and they don't really back in this bullpen. Uh, you know, you look at that stat, and you'd be like, okay, they're, they're going to take their best pitcher and put him in the Sunday role, and that's really not the case. Griffin Smith just had a fantastic outing, and uh, you hope now that he doesn't get hot and continue to pitch really well. But, uh, no, that was it was uh, an impressive performance out of him. He talked about a number of career highs for him in that game. Uh, their starting pitching has been, been good this year. Uh, when you look, you know, their Friday night starter – 
and, and Garrett Bertham, uh, just a freshman. Uh, then they have a redshirt freshman on Saturday and then a sophomore on Sunday. So this is a young weekend rotation that um, has produced well for Ohio State, but they're going to be a team pitching-wise that's going to be really scary down uh, when you look uh, in the future coming through the Big Ten. One thing's for sure, Zach. I'm excited. You're excited. Everybody's excited. We're officially ready for this series to begin. Cross the fingers, knock on wood here. The weather stays perfect for you guys up in Columbus, and it'll stay that way throughout the series. We look forward to the broadcast, and we look forward for the excitement. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, anyone that listens in, and it is, it's, it'll be a fun weekend. This is, uh, you know, the time of the year now where uh, things get kicked into high gear. I was right to the hunt for a Big Ten title, so we'll see what happens here in Columbus. We certainly will. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bid you adieu and say sayonara for this week. Again, hope you enjoyed our conversation over the likes of the Nebraska series and the Milwaukee contest this past week. And, of course, our preview of the Ohio State Buckeyes as Iowa travels to Columbus, Ohio this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A big thank you to Dylan Byrne of 24-7 Sports for stopping by, as well as Iowa first baseman and slugger Isaiah Fillard. A big thanks to both of those individuals for stopping by. As always, a big thank you to Zach Mackey, the voice of Hawkeye Baseball. And a big thank you to you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining in and listening in to this show. It's just not the same without you. Without further ado, we're going to sign off and say sayonara. And as I say in the big leagues, until next time, folks, stay safe. <laughs>